Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Frary and Smith podcast. Week 11 saw now number 18 James Madison stay undefeated. Troy clinched the Sunbelt West crown. App State become bowl eligible once again and provided some murkiness in the Sunbelt East title race. Coastal Carolina earned their fifth win in a row with a strong showing over Texas State. Southern Miss hung on to down Louisiana in overtime in the midweek. South Alabama hung on to spoil Arkansas State's hopes of attaining bowl eligibility for at least another week. And Old Dominion came up short to undefeated Liberty. While Marshall, playing for the 75, snapped a five-game losing streak and got back to 500 on the season. Today on episode 147 of the show, it's time for our Week 11 recap. We'll break down the biggest moments from the past week of Sunbelt football and begin talking about the important storylines as we turn the page to the penultimate week of Sunbelt football. Kane, this week largely went as planned, particularly on Saturday. Troy's back in the championship game, and now we have seven bowl-eligible teams and four more within a game with heading into Week 12. What stood out to you in Week 11? What definitely stood out is we knew it a little bit more what we were talking about compared to last week. No, I think last week we saw a little bit more unpredictability from the conference, which is just now kind of a guarantee just given how much talent we have across the conference when these teams battle against each other. But this week we saw a little bit more what we expected. We saw some of the teams we had high hopes for coming into the week and really throughout the entire season continue to flex their muscles and play as strong as we maybe some of them we've ever seen this entire season in this most important stretch of the year. Saw some surprising quarterback performances, had a couple switch-ups at different spots. But overall, I just think this conference, like I've said, has continued to show how strong it is. Bowl season's about to get very interesting. That's a conversation we had before this podcast, just talking about how many bowl-eligible teams we could potentially have. And I think just the more we can see more football from these teams, the better. So I think you and me are a little bit selfishly rooting that all of these teams who are getting close to bowl eligibility now in this week and in the coming weeks hopefully can continue to do that so we can just see more and more of them play as they propel themselves into what could be named as one of the best Sunbelt seasons we've seen in recent history. Well, and at this point, all we're waiting for is the 18th ranked elephant in the room to potentially become bowl eligible at this point. Caden, it's time for the Sunbelt scoreboard where we'll review all the results from around the conference in week 11. Then we're going to come back. We'll go in depth on some of the games from this past week. We start with Louisiana versus Southern Miss, the final midweek mania game of the year played in Lafayette, Louisiana. The Ragin' Cajuns were a 10-point favorite. This one, a seesaw battle. Louisiana went into halftime, tied after Zylan Perry's 95-yard kickoff return touchdown. Frank Gore gave Southern Miss the lead in the third quarter. Chandler Fields answered back with a couple of touchdown throws. Frank Gore finishing with his third straight 100-yard rushing day, and the company stored back to win this game in overtime. Gore ran it in from three yards out to secure the win. Southern Miss held Louisiana to just 130 yards on the ground, and Louisiana now has to wait another week for bowl eligibility. Southern Miss now 3-7, and seven, Louisiana 5-5. Five and five. Liberty, Old Dominion, and Lynchburg, the Flames undefeated on the year, 13.5-point favorites. This was a dominant Flames win. They led 28-0 with 7.03 to go in the second quarter. Javon Harvey had a five-yard touchdown grab with a minute 27 left in the game to set a career high with 10 catches. It was the only offensive touchdown for Old Dominion. The Flames stay undefeated. They're now 4-1 and all-time versus ODU, and the Monarchs going to have to win both of their remaining games in order to become bowl eligible. James Madison, UConn. This one was an absolute blowout, an easy win for the Dukes. They win by 38 after being favored by 25 and a half. And after playing with their food a bit, Caden, in the first half, they led 13 to three at the half. 
JMU scored four touchdowns uh, in the second half, three passing in that pick six by Brent Austin to win by 38. McLeod set a Bridgeport Stadium record with 457 yards through the air. Reggie Brown set the program record with 202 receiving yards. And Elijah Surratt continued the theme, tying the JMU record with 13 catches. James Madison strolling to an easy win. They're 10-0 in college. Game day is coming to Harrisonburg this next week. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. Georgia State, App State, Caden, a game that you were at. Georgia State came in a two-point favorite, and App does what App does to Georgia State. They won this game by 28, a good old beatdown in Atlanta. Georgia State didn't let App circle the field pregame. Coach Clark said afterwards, you mess with the bull, you get the horns, and that was the story. The Mountaineers scoring 35 unanswered. They led 35-0 with 14.56 left in the game. Joey Aguilar had his sixth three-plus passing touchdown day of the year, his third straight. Nate Noel looking healthy, finishing with 86 yards and a touchdown and three different wide receivers. Robinson, Jackson, and Stroman all had touchdowns. App back to a bowl game and remaining undefeated 10-0 versus Georgia State in the program's history. A couple more games, ULM Troy in Monroe. Troy heavy favorite in this one. They walk away with a 31-point win. The Trojans escaping the house of horrors that is Monroe, Louisiana. They led 21-0 at the half, uh, used a 21-point fourth quarter to pull away. Gunnar Watson, another good game with four touchdowns. Caden, get this, 12 touchdowns, no interceptions for Watson in his last six games. Now 21 touchdowns, just four interceptions on the season. The defense led by Juvenor with three and a half sacks, and Solomon with four finishes with nine sacks in this game. And Troy clinching the West Division title with the win and some help from South Alabama later in the day. Coastal Carolina, Texas State, this one. Was a lot of fun to watch, particularly late when it got interesting. Coastal walking away with an eight-point win, but this win was bigger than the scoreline represented. Ethan Vasco was at quarterback. The Shants led 31-10 to with 9-16 to go in the fourth quarter. TJ Finley left in the third, didn't return. Joey Hobart never played in this game. Ismail Mahdi, if you're looking for a bright spot for Texas State, did cross the 1,000-yard rushing mark for the second year in a row. Texas State. Made things interesting late, but in the end, Coastal's defense, which held Texas State to a season-low 280 yards, too much as the Shants hang on for their fifth win in a row. Suddenly, they're the hottest team in the Sun Belt outside of James Madison. South Alabama, Arkansas State, and Jonesboro, the Jags were 11.5-point favorites. Caden, in the preview this week, we both notably picked Arkansas State to cover the spread. They did that. They lose this game by just seven. Strong showing, though, from South Alabama after trailing early. They score 21 of the next 24 points to lead 21-6 to with 8.01 left in the third quarter. Arkansas State gets within seven with under four minutes to go, but Carter Bradley throws two touchdowns to Pritchett. Webb has a big day on the ground, and South Alabama hangs on for their fifth win of the season and spoils Arkansas State's chances at bowl eligibility for another week. Last game, Caden, this one was fantastic late in the evening. Marshall, Georgia Southern, and Huntington, the Eagles, two-and-a-half-point favorites, go on to lose by five. An emotional win for the Thundering Herd. They were playing for the 75. Cole Pennington made his first career start. The teams went back and forth all game. Georgia Southern led 20-17 to at the half. Marshall pulled away in the second half thanks to three Rasheen Ali touchdowns, his first two-plus touchdown game in four weeks, his second three or more touchdown game of the year. The defense holding Georgia Southern to five of 19 on third down. Marshall snaps a five-game losing streak and probably ended Georgia Southern's hopes of playing for the Sunbelt Championship. Couple more notes on the weekend. James Madison, 10-0, remaining undefeated with a win over UConn. Now one of seven 10-0 teams at the FBS level, one of just two 
at the G5 level, including Liberty. App State for the eighth time in nine seasons is going bowling. Now six, probably seven bowl-eligible teams in the league. Yes, we're talking about you, James Madison. Louisiana Marshall, South Alabama, and Arkansas State will all have a chance to become bowl-eligible in Week 12, and we could very easily see a Sun Belt record uh, with an eighth bowl team happening next weekend. Sunbelt home teams, Caden going four and three in week 11. Five favorite teams failed to cover the spread in week 11, going one and four. South Alabama earning the only win by a favored team in this weekend's games. Um, we move on to talk about some of these games, Caden. Let's talk James Madison, UConn real quick. More high-level storylines than actually talking about the game. The Dukes winning 44 to six over the Huskies. James Madison improving to 10-0 on the season. They saw their ranking go up to number 18 on Sunday. They also announced that college game day is coming to Harrisonburg next weekend for the third time. Brown broke the receiving yards record. McLeod threw for a Bridgeworth record, 457 yards. Surratt tied James Madison's record with 13 catches. Caden, this is a moment in time that we're getting to witness. You have an undefeated football team, a men's basketball team that upset number four Michigan State and then had that crazy win over Kent State. I'm not sure if you saw that. Men's soccer team earns a win over number one UCF. Now college game day is coming to Harrisonburg. What a time it is to be a Dukes fan, Cato. What a time is right. I feel like this is right now the golden age of being a Duke right now. It seems like every sport's clicking on all cylinders. It really makes me think back to our conversation with Jeff Bourne in the offseason, the athletic director for the Dukes, and just him talking about not how just this football program has been successful and how they've been able to take care of business now in their second consecutive season at the FBS level, but it seems like they're getting business done in every kind of arena possible, whether it's on the hardwood, whether it's in between the white lines on the football field. This program is just rolling right now. It's a great time to be there. I know me and you are hoping hoping and praying we can get to this college game day experience that's going to be up there, even though we have some some scheduling stuff that probably won't let us do that. But I just think right now, everyone in the nation, in the football world at least, as far as being on the group of five level, just seems to envy JMU and what they have going on, and rightfully so. I mean, this team last season made so much noise, and we saw that that three those three losses last year probably were heavily impacted by Todd Santeo, but this season they get more fortune as far as the quarterback position and their health as an overall team, and they're reaping the, re- re- reaping the benefits of it in this season. So I think we're now seeing them rightfully get the recognition they deserve, whether it's through the rankings, whether it's through college game day. Still waiting to see if they can get that postseason recognition and get that that honor they deserve as far as being able to participate in the postseason, just given what they've done this season. But it's hard to argue right now that at JMU, JMU's campus right now, I'm sure it's buzzing. I'm sure all the athletes are giving each other's looks as they walk across each other in campus and kind of giving head nods of approval, just knowing that everyone's taking care of business. So definitely seems like a great time in JMU and super happy, not just for their football program, but their, their entire school really for kind of this moment they're having and how they're taking advantage of it at the moment. Kane, it certainly feels like things could be coming to a crescendo on the postseason front. You've got college game day coming. Does the NCAA want an easy PR win here, or do they want to get bashed on national television for three hours this coming Saturday? I think that will be the interesting question to follow. Kane, interesting, you mentioned that Jeff Bourne interview. If you want to go back and listen to that, it was episode 86 of the show. Great conversation with the man who helped architect Uh, This climb for the James Madison Dukes over the last 20 years. Go back and listen to that interview with Jeff Warren, episode 86. Caden, we're running out of good things to say about this Dukes offense. McLeod had another huge day. Brown and Surratt, awesome. Uh, They didn't even have to use the run game much in this one. They still finish with 500-plus yards. This group is an absolute juggernaut on offense right now. 
Yeah, and it's been great to watch them evolve. Obviously, the defense has been the headliner in the beginning of the season and for the majority of the season, especially for just their prowess in the front seven, their trenches, getting after the quarterback, being able to knock back runs better than anyone else in the country. But week after week, we've just continued to see this offense evolve in the last couple weeks. It's absolutely been in its prime. A lot of that has to do with Jordan McLeod. He's playing at the peak of his powers. And yet again, he had another big game where you see him put the ball in the end zone four times and get over 400 yards passing. So all in a press conference, him talking about quarterback coach Tino Sinceri and how he's really been paying attention to detail, having him ready, having him anticipating and seeing what every single pass play is going to look like against every single coverage. And now we're seeing that all kind of come into the fold, see him being at his peak level of comfort, I think, as far as having trust in the routes, how they're going to develop, having trust in his receivers and normally being able to have trust in his run game, too. But they were just so proficient and they loved their matchup so much out why when it came to the passing game that we saw no one in this game get double digit carries at all they were absolutely electric through the air you see Reggie Brown continuing to build on his first team all-conference campaign when it comes to the wide receiver spot that we've talked about being super competitive when the season's over Surratt like you mentioned is in this stretch now where he's playing his best ball putting together so many good consecutive performances and Zach Horton finds the end zone yet again this is a guy who's probably one of the most versatile players offense or defense in the entire conference as far as what he's been able to do in the run game as a blocker he's been called the old ultimate teammate by his teammates. And as a result, you're seeing him getting rewarded as well in the past game as a guy who's just hard to keep up of when you're in that front seven and you don't know if a guy's going to block you, if he's going to block you for a little bit, go out for a pass or just be a threat down the seam. This guy just gets it done in every level. And I think that just really makes the, just kind of really identifies and epitomizes this entire offense right now. No matter who's getting the ball, they're playing at the peak of their powers. They're most effective right now. And I think them going into this final stretch of the season where there's more attention on this team than ever, it's nice for them to have this offense now to back up that defense that's been dominant throughout the whole season. Now having the offense to complement it just adds this JMU stock that continues to rise and rise and rise as we get to the end of the year. Caden, what a time for James Madison to be welcoming App State to Harrisonburg. The Mountaineers 6-4 and four coming off of a 42-14 win over Georgia State in Week 11. They will try to improve to 11-0. Caden, is App State spoiling the party? I'll get you your answer to that uh, a little bit later on in this episode. But let's move on, Caden. This one we'll go through very quickly, but worth mentioning. Troy, 45, ULM, 14. The reason this one is where it's at. Troy clinching the Sunbelt West title. For the second straight year after South Alabama actually did him a favor and knocked off Arkansas State later in the day. Troy has now won four of the last five in this series history. They improved to 12-2 and two in Sunbelt play under John Summerall. They left ULM 0-7 mark in Sunbelt Conference play with this loss. Caden, Troy clinching the second Sunbelt West crown in two seasons under John Summerall. The offense continues to fire on all cylinders. Gunnar Watson. Has been special lately. The defensive front looked like the one we expected with nine sacks. Do you see any Sunbelt team maybe outside of JMU if they're eligible beating this Trojans team the rest of the way? No, and we can just move on to the next game now. No, I'm just kidding. But no, there's there's no one beating this Troy team. I mean, the, their last two opponents for the season are Louisiana and Southern Miss, who we conveniently got to see score off against each other in the midweek game of the year. And I think that was a great game. We'll talk about it more later. But if both of those teams combined rosters right now, I still don't think they could beat Troy this season. This team is looking unstoppable, I think, as far as them being at the peak of their powers. They're right there with James Madison as far as the offensive and defensive sides of the ball both playing their best football right now. This team, I think it's unarguable now, is even better than it was last season in their second year under John, John Summerall. And a lot of that has to do with this offense. We know what this ULM team is, but Gunnar Watson continues to show his growth with a four-touchdown pass game. This offense is so improved so evolved now. Now it's to the point where it's not what's holding this team back anymore from being dominant. Now this team is just dominant. Last year, the defense was dominant, and they had to kind of 
pull the offense along every game. It was a little bit more stressful and dramatic when you look at the second halves and the fourth quarters. Now we know what we're getting from both sides of the ball. You know, you know you're going to get defensive dominance. You don't know what kind of offensive dominance you're going to get, but you're going to get it from this Detroit team. I think the only flaw we had with this team early on in the season is talking about their ability to kind of turn some of those pressures and hurries into sacks. Well, they answer the question in this one, that's for sure. They have nine sacks, four from Javon Solomon, three and a half from Richard Jubiner. That's absolutely absurd. That's just different level of stuff. We know, again, this is not the strongest opponent ever, but I think last year when we saw this team playing, you could argue that this game would definitely be closer just based on some of the deficiencies of that championship team last year. So now looking at another team that's primed for a championship, looking even better than they did last year. No, I don't see anybody standing in this team's way, and I felt like that for quite a while now. Very interested to see how they close out the season, if they can continue to grow even better and catch their stride even more as they get to championship season. Hey, certainly no denying what John Summerall and the Trojans have done over the last two seasons. Troy, as you mentioned, Caden hosting Louisiana, who's 5-5, five and five, coming off that three-point overtime loss to Southern Miss in the midweek in Week 11. Uh, they will come to Troy, Alabama, and Troy will look to finish off this regular season strong. ULM, meanwhile, heads to Oxford to face number nine Old Miss, coming off of a you know a, a dominant loss uh, to Georgia in Week 11. Kane, we will move on to matchup number three, and this was probably my favorite game of the weekend. Marshall 38, Georgia Southern 33. The Thundering Herd snapping a five-game losing streak. They dropped Georgia Southern to just one and four on the road this year. I think that's particularly fascinating. The win extended Marshall's win streak over Georgia Southern to six games, and it probably ended the Eagles' title hopes and gave Marshall a chance at getting bowl eligible in Week 12 when they face South Alabama. Kane, big storyline in this game was the Marshall quarterback change. We saw Cam Fancher out. We saw Cole Pennington in, the son of the former legend. It paid off in a big way. The Herd putting up 38 points in this game, and that coming on the heels of averaging eight points per game in the last three weeks, Caden, this team looked a ton freer on offense. What were the biggest differences with Pennington under center in your mind? Yeah, it's a really interesting quarterback change here. No, they went with Cole Pennington, as you mentioned, and Cam Fancher didn't even dress out for this game, which I thought was even more interesting. Also, Charles Huff said that offensive coordinator Clint Trickett, who is normally in the booth, was on the sideline for this one so he could have kind of a better pulse of Cole, what he's liking, what he's not liking, what he's feeling in the game, and just having a better idea of what, what kind of place to call for him to have him be as successful as possible, which is kind of interesting for to me. I kind of wish, as a guy who was kind of believing and wanting to see more from Cam Fancher this season, kind of would have been nicer to see some of this stuff earlier in the season maybe built around cam but it worked and cole was very efficient in this game throwing the ball he got a lot more help from rashia Ali in the run game than cam fancher has got during this losing streak i mean all four of the touchdowns this team scored offensively were on the ground they had a kickoff return for a touchdown so i think as far as cole pennington in his day he threw an interception in his very first pass attempt. He got settled in after that and was extremely efficient. After that, he wasn't a world beater. They didn't ask him to do a ton, but I think this is what Marshall wanted to do all season. They didn't want their quarterback to be the reason why they won, just given their play style on a weekly basis. They wanted Rasheen Ali running the ball in that run game to be the reason why, and that was the catalyst in this game. He didn't light it up. He didn't have a dazzling performance. This team went two for nine on third down the day. They just did not have a good day, but they had so many explosive run plays, and they were able to help. Pennington out so much in this game that they made things a lot easier for him. So I think this is kind of the Marshall team we were expecting to see offensively, at least throughout this season, just an aggressive ground game that was able to have their way, pound the rock, make some big plays. We finally saw this Marshall team after weeks of non, no, not no success on the offensive side of the ball, be able to do it in this game. Pennington did a great job managing this game, which is kind of now a negative term when it comes to football as being a game manager. But this offense is built for a game managing quarterback to just take care of the football, make the right reads, make the right passes, and have that run game really be what keeps them afloat. So 
Pennington didn't do anything crazy in this game. The switch up clearly helped the morale of this offense going forward. And I'll be very curious now the rest of the season to see if they can continue helping him out. Because if they can't, we'll see more what we saw from the losing streak versus what we saw in this amazing game against the Eagles this weekend. Well, unfortunately, if you are the Eagles, Marshall finally showed up in this football game. Georgia Southern, they've now had two straight tough losses. They're just one and four away from Paulson this season, Caden. They've given up 41 and a half points per game in their last two games. This defense, which let's be honest, Caden, it is improved, but it hasn't looked like that lately. What's been the biggest issues for Georgia Southern? Yeah, they gave up 40 points last week and they gave up 38 in this week. And lately, they've just been looking like that defense that we saw last year versus the unit kind of in the beginning of the year that we saw kind of get some momentum, get things going and really do a great job specifically in the turnover department and on third downs, which we knew was going to be a key. But lately, the issue with this defense has been they've been super weak in the run game. Texas State ran all over them last week. And I think Marshall was able to do the same thing in this game. We knew Marshall already wanted to do that, but I'm sure after seeing the Bobcats do it so successfully the week before, they were fully willing to double down on it. I think that's why they had Cole Pennington at quarterback. They're like, hey, we're just going to be able to pound the rock. We don't need a quarterback that can really be mobile. That's not going to affect us in this game. We need a quarterback who's going to manage the game and be able to keep the chains moving while our run game kind of keeps us afloat and has us do those things. So I think when you look at this Georgia State or Georgia Southern rather defense, I think for them, it was interesting in this game because last game when they were getting dominated in the run, the Bobcats were able to dominate the time of possession as well because of that. But in this game, Marshall was probably trying to do that and probably anticipated controlling the clock a little bit better in this game. But they were literally so explosive in the run game and ripping off so many long runs and being able to be so successful successful that Georgia Southern actually won the time of possession in this game. So I think they just did a bad job of tackling this game. The run defense wasn't there and they just could not get ball carriers on the down on the ground when it mattered most. And it definitely doesn't help when your offense kind of goes short too. only five for 19 on third down for this offensive unit. Their next two opponents, I think will gut, will try to run the ball against them, seeing that it's been so successful. So I'm very curious to see how this defense responds and how this offense can rise to the occasion. I feel like we just haven't lately been seeing them rise to the occasion as we saw compared to last week's when it came down to the second half and fourth quarter performances and them moving the chains as consistently. So very curious to see how this defense responds in the last two weeks, especially given now the kind of the recipes out there. Hey, if you run the ball against this team, you don't have to create a bunch of turnovers or keep their offense off the field. That'll just drain them, I think, defensively, and it's kind of contagious to their offense. So very curious to see how this defense specifically looks down the stretch. Georgia Southern heads home to Statesboro where they'll welcome Old Dominion, who's 4-6 and six, coming off of a 28-point loss to undefeated Liberty in Week 11. Marshall traveling down south to face South Alabama, who's 5-5 five and five, coming off of a 7-point win over Arkansas State. Both of those two teams, South Alabama and Marshall, will battle for bowl eligibility next Saturday. We move on to Coastal Carolina, Texas State, Caden. And if you looked at just the final scoreline of this game, you would say, it was extremely competitive. Coastal Carolina winning 31-24, to but that really isn't the story. Coastal Carolina earning their fifth win in a row, dating back to October 10th versus App State. They held Texas State to a season-low 280 yards. The Shawnee Clears improving to 4-1 and all-time and remaining perfect in matchups in Conway. They're now 3-0. and Another fun nugget in this game, Caden, Sam Pinckney setting an NCAA record with a catch in his 55th straight game. Those are numbers you just don't see that often. Let's talk Coastal Carolina because, Caden, three weeks ago, they lost Grayson McCall. Uh, since then, they're 3-0. and This is a team, you think back to last year, they struggle when Grayson McCall is not on the field. But it's been a different story this year. On defense and on offense, Caden, this Coastal team isn't surviving without Grayson McCall anymore. They're playing their best football of the season. 
Yeah, no, this team hasn't won five straight games for no reason. They're extremely well coached. Their defense has stepped up and improved majorly compared to last season. And they've been able offensively to take the identity of whatever quarterback is playing, whatever style they need to play and execute it at an extremely high level and pull out wins. It's really been amazing to watch. And you mentioned it, the quarterback depth now at this point is just one of the most impressive things you'll see in the country. We've seen in the past last year when Grayson McCall wasn't on this team, because let's just be honest, he's had injury struggles throughout his career. In those moments, they have not been able to step up to the plate and be able to play and maintain that same level of confidence as a team and just execution as a team as well. Now we're seeing them able to do it with a new head coach, and it's been amazing to watch. Vasco was stellar, and this one, his confidence as a passer is growing right before our eyes. We saw last week against Old Dominion, very run heavy with him in this one. They almost had him throw the ball 30 times in this game. Still effective as a runner, but he got help from the run game per usual. We saw his weapons on the outside be effective. You know how they get down with Jared Brown and Sam Pickney, as you mentioned, kind of establishing himself as one of the best receivers, I think, in college football as far as longevity goes right now. And I think they're, like we mentioned, playing some of their best offensive football without Grayson McCall. They scored 24 unanswered points in this game. They had their longest touchdown drive of the season with a 94-yard one. This team is scary, and I think they're getting scarier because you don't know who's going to play quarterback for them. It seems like whoever plays quarterback for them, pick your poison. Do you want a guy who's going to air it out? Do you want a guy that's going to run on the ground? Regardless of how they have to get it done, they've been getting it done. And the defense has been just as lights out and been doing the quarterback and the entire offense a favor in this one. They forced Texas State into their worst quarterback performance of the entire season. They absolutely shut things down in the passing game. They had four sacks. They were wreaking havoc in this game, and they've been doing their offense so many favors. And you can just see the confidence of this team building as far as the offense and the defense playing cohesively and complementary through this five-game winning streak. So I think nobody has touched 30 points in this losing streak or winning streak for them as far as offenses they've played. And their offenses of themselves have gotten better and better no matter who's playing quarterback. So you just have to tip your cap off to this coastal coaching staff, which I think right now is putting together one of the most impressive runs I think we've seen in the Sun Belt in quite some time. Yeah, many people had them down and out, okay? And I even think we did, uh, but they have certainly proven many people wrong. This Texas State offense wasn't there in this game. This was their worst offensive showing of the year, a season-low 280 yards gain. They were held scoreless in the second and third quarters. Kane, we saw Hornsby come in and replace Finley. There might be an injury there. Haven't seen reporting on that. Joey Hobart didn't play in this game. What went wrong for this typical high-scoring Bobcats offense? Yeah, this offense was just completely picked apart and unraveled in this game. For the first time ever, we've seen their biggest strength just completely stripped and taken away from them, and that's the passing game. They only threw for 81 yards in this game, and no Joey Hobart is obviously a big deal with him being the top weapon, but we've talked about the depth as far as Ashton Hawkins, Cole Wilson, the amount of weapons this team has, Ismail Mahdi and his ability out of the backfield to even impact the passing game as well. No Bray Walker in this game on the offensive line was obviously huge, but you have to give credit to Coastal for just absolutely wreaking havoc on this team and playing tight coverage on receivers that have been very accustomed to getting open a lot and getting separation on defensive backs this year. Finley was healthy, and I think Kenny said moving forward, he still believes in him as a starter for this team, but I think in this matchup specifically, when you have the complete dimension of your passing game taken away you have to lean into the run game and they doubled down with that putting Hornsby in there and him being able to kind of get things going and keep things going for their run game which was just the best thing that was working for them in this game he got some things going late as far as being able to get into the end zone when it was a little bit too late but I think for this team right now they just kind of had their offensive identity checked a little bit they definitely need to take a late season reset as far as what they need to be able to do to put together more of the performances we saw from early this season because whatever Coastal Carolina just did I don't know if the next two opponents can do that defensively but they're definitely going to try to 
and they're definitely going to get teams best shot, especially given the last two games of the season, the stakes, a lot of teams fighting for bowl games. Very curious to see how Texas State responds to this performance. Now, it was tough getting your teeth kicked in by a team that's rolling and has five straight wins, but how are they going to respond now, I think, is the question for their offense and their entire team as they finish this season. That's still one of their best that we've seen up to date. Caden, they're going to have to answer that question against an Arkansas State team that is fighting for a bowl game, 5-5 five and five coming off of a seven-point loss to South Alabama in Week 11. Texas State trying to get back on track. Meanwhile, Coastal Carolina, they're heading out of conference. They're heading north to play Army, who's 4-6, and six, but don't sleep on Army. They have won two straight. They defeated undefeated Air Force two weeks ago. Coastal Carolina looking to continue their late-season charge. We move on. Southern Miss, Louisiana, this game. Played on Thursday night in the Sunbelt. Southern Miss earning just their second win in Sunbelt play this year. They kept Louisiana from securing bowl eligibility. Southern Miss securing the 11th straight win in this series dating back to 1993 before Caden, you and I were even born. Uh, they now hold a 42-11-1 all-time record dating back to 1923. Let's talk Southern Miss, Caden. They continue to build momentum here at the end of the year. They've won back-to-back games for the first time in almost a year. This was one of the gutsiest wins we've seen this season from any Sunbelt team, we'll be honest. How big was it, not just for this win, but how they won this game, given the circumstances in Hattiesburg this year? Oh, it's huge for this team, Noah. I can't really express how big not only this win is, but just the style of win they got for this team and just for this confidence of this entire program moving forward beyond this year. They didn't, it wasn't the prettiest win. They didn't do it the way they probably wanted to, but the fact that they showed so much heart and more heart than we've really seen from them all year was huge. This team constantly fumbled the ball, the bomb was on the ground a couple of times, four different players threw passes in this game, whether it was trick plays or different quarterbacks coming in, they were doing whatever it took. The pass game wasn't particularly great for them, but they were so consistent and dare I say dominant running the ball like we were accustomed to seeing last year when Frank Gore Jr. was on his run when we were calling him the best or one of the best running backs in the entire conference. And they were able to use that momentum, keep that momentum, and pull out a win. Like we mentioned, he had 158 yards on the ground in this game, two touchdowns. You saw Billy Wiles, after throwing a touchdown in this game and playing fine, they wanted to elevate it and when they wanted to play even better. So they took him out and put Ethan Crawford in there, who was very effective with his legs, threw a touchdown pass in this one as well, and was able to contribute and double down on their run game, which was really why they won this game. And I think the fact that they were able to show this ability to kind of do whatever it takes. We see that from the best teams in this conference. We see Troy, when they want to run the ball and they know they can run the ball and that's their best thing, they will abandon the pass game if that's what's going to benefit them as far as that given matchup, that given week, and them winning a game. And I think we saw that now in this game and this week against the Southern Miss team who now has some newfound offensive momentum as far as them having a new play caller. And then in this game, when it went into overtime, I don't know about you, Noah, but just given the momentum and the pulse of the team, it was for the first time, I think you probably would have bet against this, but going into overtime, I expected Southern Miss to win just because their team was playing with more energy. They were just more consistent in the second half and they finished out the game and they pulled out the win. So I think the fact that going into overtime, this team was probably favored just given their momentum and the fact they were able to show just a different level of heart, intensity and competitiveness, especially just given that South Alabama performance we saw the last time they were on national television was huge for this team. And I'm really happy for those guys in Hattiesburg moving forward this season and trying to hopefully keep that momentum going against tough opponents, but keep it going beyond that next season when they really try to kind of reestablish their identity as an offense, especially. Kane, you mentioned Ethan Crawford, an interesting decision coming up this week. He's played four games this year. They were going to try to redshirt him. Do they burn that redshirt? And at this point, you might consider that with how good Crawford looked against Louisiana. Uh, we move on to to talk about Louisiana, Caden. They didn't get the result they wanted, but they still battled in this one without Zion Chris. And in a game where, quite frankly, a lot didn't go right for them. 
How would you assess kind of this showing from Louisiana in this one? And, and do you think they can win one of their last two games? They've got Troy and ULM to get to bowl eligibility. I think they can. And obviously we know which game I favor them a little bit more. And, but I think personally, I was still impressed with Louisiana in this game. Their failure to stop the run in this game entirely is kind of why I think was their, this is their biggest issue, obviously, and the reason why they lost this game. But I think they still manage to kind of having, despite having to switch their identity offensively without Zeon Chris, I feel like they managed that well and played well. Fields played well in this game. He can, he completed passes at a high rate. He threw for 260 yards in this game, two touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over, which is key. And the run game was still there for them. And I think Zeon Chris is just that other level of the run game that they were missing in this game that could have counteracted Southern Miss's run game to keep them competitive throughout the game. They were competitive throughout the game, but they just didn't have that kind of last punch to throw in this game. And I think Zeon Chris in the offense provides a lot of that. I'm still impressed with what I saw from them. I think they know what they have to clean up. On a weekly basis, it's always been obvious. Against Arkansas State, they need to get better at the run game. They got better at that in this game. And I think in their next game, they're going to have to get have to get better at stopping the run game but I think as far as this team now having their third quarterback in the fold with Chandler Fields the fact that they were able to get to an overtime win against a hot team or overtime loss rather against a hot team and still compete to the final whistle that gives me more confidence for them I think in these last two weeks as they now get more and more comfortable with having Chandler Fields at the helm being able to figure out how to win games with him at the helm and I think we might not see it against Troy we'll see more confidence in their offense but I think in that last week they'll have a good idea of how they can win how they can move the chains and how they can score with this quarterback hopefully their defense can compliment them and then they will we'll see them in a bowl game yet again. Caden, certainly easier said than done to stop Troy's run game who Louisiana will face in week 12. The Trojans eight and two. They locked up the West Division title in week 11, but Louisiana will be playing to become bowl eligible in that game. Meanwhile, Southern Miss, they head to Starkville to play Mississippi State, who's four and six. They've lost three straight entering this coming Saturday. Uh, Southern Miss has to be thinking about a big upset win at this point. We move on. South Alabama, Arkansas State. The Jags winners 21-14. to South Alabama moving within a game of bowl eligibility and keeping Arkansas State from becoming bowl eligible. This win even the all-time series at six games apiece and gave the Jags their fifth straight win in the series. The win also clinched the West Division crown for the Troy Trojans. So good job, South Alabama. An elite performance from this Jags defense, though. They held Arkansas State to 116 yards on the ground. Rayner had just 186 yards through the air. He had a touchdown interception. Uh, they had four sacks and an interception against this Arkansas State offense. Caden Carter-Bradley returned. He helped lead them to the win. We've got two games to go, one win away from a bowl game. What's your forecast the rest of the way for the Jags? I wish I really knew, Noah. We know, no, we know that um, the consistency of this team has been the biggest question mark for them throughout the season. And trying to predict how they're going to finish the season is, is very hard, given their last two opponents being unpredictable as well. We saw Marshall now playing their best game that they have in a while, and Texas State playing one of their worst games in a while. So very curious to see how the South Alabama team handles business as they're now trying to fight for a bowl. I think the biggest thing I'm trying to see from them is how hard do they fight for this bowl game. This is obviously a team that going into the season thought they'd be fighting for a conference championship bid at this time. Now their priorities are different. Now they have to fight for just making a bowl game, playing with pride late in the season, despite kind of coming up short with an old veteran talented roster that kind of just wasn't able to answer the call this season. It's great to have Carter Bradley back in the fold. Obviously this game 
you could argue would have been maybe a loss for this team coming off of last week's loss we saw and how close this game was this week. But I have to give credit to the defense. They played stellar in this one. Jalen Rayner is not an easy quarterback to make inefficient. He's been efficient all season. He's been great with his legs, but they were able to limit him in this one, get to him in the backfield, create some turnovers to the point where this team did not score offensive touchdown in the fourth quarter. That definitely kept them afloat. This offense looked fine in this one. They got to lean on LaDamian Webb a time. He had a 663 yards and a touchdown in this game you got to give credit to Arkansas State for trying to take Colin Lacey out of this game. This is one of his kind of weaker performances of the season just compared to what we've seen from all year. But I think for South Alabama, they know their formula to win. If they can have Damian Webb doing his thing, running the ball constantly, if their defense can play like it did this week and the rest of the season, and Carter Bradley can continue to be that steady force for them, that steady leader for their offense, they're going to be able to run the table. They have the talent. They have the ability. They have the skill. Just like we thought in the beginning of the season to finish these last two games undefeated, the question is, are they going to be consistent enough to do it? So I think just from the neck up, like I keep talking about with this team, it's going to be about how they attack the next two weeks, how they kind of have that mindset going into bowl season, going into postseason. And can they maybe find a different edge and a different killer instinct? Because last year, they finished the season extremely strong. They had a couple games where they had to come from behind and steal some wins. Hopefully, we can see some of that again for the South Alabama team, despite them maybe not reaching the goals they initially imagined heading into the season as they finish things out. Yeah, you have to feel like it would be huge for South Alabama to salvage a a bowl game despite the disaster that probably some around the program would call this season. Arkansas State, Caden, they continue to prove week in and week out that they've closed the gap on teams in the Sun Belt. Butch Jones has this team competitive in every Sun Belt game this year, minus that Troy game. And let's be honest, who has been competitive against the Trojans this year? Caden, they need a win over Marshall or Texas State to get to a bowl game. Regardless of how things turn out, this team has put together a much stronger showing that should have fans in Jonesboro excited. They definitely should. We know it's a loss. It's a seven-point loss, and that's something that this team should take pride in and be happy about. We know that coming into the season, this is a game we definitely thought was going to be absolutely lopsided. And I think even given the talent across both teams, you could say that this game itself could have still been lopsided. I mean, there's no Carter Bradley, the veteran guys in the LaDamia Webb, the weapons that South Alabama has on both sides of the ball don't really compare to the weapons we see at Arkansas State. I think when we look at all conference time, that'll just be a fact. And that's not something that's going to be a knock on Arkansas State. It's something they should be praised for because because they're more competitive than we've seen in the Sun Belt in quite some time. Jalen Rayner is still a steady force for this offense. He didn't have his best game of the season playing against a stingy defense that at the peak of their powers is one of the best in the conference. But you have to give credit to this unit, especially on defense, for playing some great ball. The fact that they were able to shut down this Louisiana rushing attack a week prior and limit them and get that win, and they were able to keep this South Alabama offense, who is prolific at throwing the ball, being able to effectively run the ball, to keep them to just 21 points is impressive to finish out the game strong with no points. They had no, they definitely take a huge um, improvement in this game as far as the penalties. They only had three penalties in this game. So I think this team is showing a lot of good signs of improvement. I think we're all rooting for them to finish the season strong and hopefully make a bowl game so they can kind of get a prize for the rewarded season. But even if they don't do that, I think the fact that they've kind of leveled the playing field, taken advantage and kind of taking a step forward as far as the gap against some of the conference's top teams is huge. And they have some wins to prove that now. Very curious to see if they can get a bowl appearance now to prove that as well. Very excited about this program in Jonesboro for sure. Arkansas State hosting Texas State, who's 6-4, and four, coming off that seven-point loss to Coastal Carolina in Week 11 as they hope to become bowl eligible. South Alabama stays home to face Marshall, who's 5-5, five and five, coming off of that five-point uh, win over Georgia Southern in Week 11. Both teams will fight it out for bowl eligibility. Caden, let's move on. App State, Georgia State, uh, the Mountaineers winning 42-14, to uh, restoring order. They earn bowl eligibility now for their eighth season in nine seasons. 
at the FBS level. We hear the Dukes talk about how great this transition has been. App State fans say, let's see you do it over nine seasons like the Mountaineers have done it. Caden, they remain undefeated in the all-time series. They improved to 10-0 against Georgia State. This was a 28-point win. Was the largest in Sunbelt Conference play for the Mountaineers since 2021 over Troy. They improved their road record to 2-3 and three on the season. Caden, App State continues their turnaround. Joey Aguilar has been having a huge year. The number of big plays in this game, it was nine in total. You've been critical, particularly of this App State defense, but Caden, they've impressed lately. You were at this game. You got your eyes on this team. Is App State back, baby? Noah, listen, I don't want to make any big statements or anything too big as far as this App State team, but I was at the Southern Miss game and I watched them play in that game and I had my doubts about that team despite being able to pull out that win. Southern Miss has obviously improved now and we thought this game was going to be a lot closer for sure. And I think just given the offensive and defensive performance we saw from this team against an opponent that is on a little bit of a losing skid, but we thought was going to have the at least ability to keep this game close and many probably picked them to win. I think it's safe to say that App State is back. Noah, a three-game winning streak doesn't happen by mistake stake and just watching this team play in person compared to even what I saw at the beginning of the win streak is just night and day when you talk about the big plays I don't expect them to have the same big play explosiveness the rest of the season because it's actually unprecedented and absurd there was only one drive in this game that went over 11 play or over four plays as far as their scoring drives go I mean you have the one play touchdown to Dalton Stroman for 77 yards four plays the next thing you know Nate Noel is running for 61 yards for a touchdown the big play was huge for this game and I think the most impressive part about their offensive performance outside of Joey Aguilar who is just continue to dazzle with his deep accuracy that's just on a different level different level I think right now than anyone else in the conference is their ability to do it with an undermanned team Christian Horn wasn't in this game. Deshaun Davis was in a limited snap snap count, but Makai Jackson, Dalton Stroman, Caden Robinson, guys like that were able to lead this team in the passing game and have their offense look just as explosive, not more explosive than they have in the past. And this defense lately has been a revelation against a Marshall team. We were a little bit hesitant to kind of crown them as an improved defense going forward in the season because, you know, Marshall had their struggles. But in this game, they played lights out. It was a great performance from Andrew Parker. I saw this defense in person really hitting, really thumping. Trent Yo was a revelation in this game with an interception, making some big plays in the secondary. So yes, App State is back. They're back at the right time. It's November. They have two games left in the season, two very big games. And I think this was the first game to kind of start that momentum going into the season that they needed. So it seems like App State right now is peaking at the right time. I'm not trying to get too overly confident or too happy about it, but I definitely think in the high country right now, things are looking better than they have in quite a while. And a lot of that has to do with just the overall cohesive performance they were able to play in a place that they've always been successful. And I think that would have been huge. Georgia State, if they ever want to beat this App State team, is going to have to improve the environment on the road when they come there because there's a lot of guys in this App State team, a lot of guys in the program that are in this Atlanta area. I saw a lot of great friends, great teammates from the past in this game that were supporting this App State team, and they just seemed more comfortable than ever on the road, which was huge for a team that's been struggling on the road. So if they can kind of keep this momentum going, this energy going, I think App State is officially back now, but they'll continue to show that these last two games of the season if they keep channeling what we saw against the Panthers this weekend. Well, Caden, based on all that, it sounds like you're skipping a fall wedding, and let's be honest, who schedules a fall wedding? I'm not going to make you answer that question, but Caden, different story for Georgia State. Three straight losses after starting the season six and one. It'll probably be four after they face number 19 LSU this week. Caden, they had an embarrassing performance versus JMU. Coach Elliott in that press conference that we've all seen, he promised it wouldn't happen again, and it did against App State. The vibes in Atlanta just aren't great right now. Caden, if you're Georgia State, how do you recover some momentum down the stretch? 
They're going to have to find it from somewhere, Noah. I don't know what's been going on in Georgia State, but this team, just from an energy effort standpoint, has just looked completely different from the 4-0 start that we saw to start the season. This team, though they had a different edge to them, we were talking constantly to their players and their personnel and their staff just about how the offseason was different for them. They're coming with a different mentality. They're trying to take teams out of games versus have games handed to them as far as wins and losses goes. They showed it against Coastal Carolina on the road early in the season, and then just week after week, They've gotten further and further from that and gotten closer and closer to some of the football we've seen they played in the past. So they're going to have to find something, Noah. They're going to have to have an identity check, take a long look in the mirror and figure out if they're satisfied with just these six wins and going to a bowl game or if they're going to try to play some better football going into their bowl game now just because for the last couple of weeks they just have not been able to play a complete game, whether it's one half, one quarter, just haven't been seeing this team moving with the same energy effort that they've had in the past. And they still have all that talent there, which is the, the hardest and strangest thing about it. So I think really it's just about this team having a little bit of a kumbaya, looking themselves in the mirror and figuring out how they want to finish the season. Do they want to look like they did to start the season or they just want to continue going in this losing streak? Hey, it sounds like maybe they're uh, in order for some more half-gassers or at least another climb up Stone Mountain uh, Georgia State heads to Death Valley uh, to play number 19 LSU, who's coming off of a 52-35 to 35 win over Florida in Week 11. App State, as I mentioned, taking the trip up to Harrisonburg to face undefeated James Madison. It's college game day in front of a packed-out Bridgeport Stadium. Does App State ruin the party? That one will certainly be worth watching on Saturday. Kanan, one more quick matchup here. We'll go through this quickly. Number 25, Liberty taking down Old Dominion by 28. Uh, Old Dominion falls to one and four all-time versus Liberty. They've now lost all three games in the series in Lynchburg by a combined 98 points. Grant Wilson saw a 115 pass interception streak end, and Javina Harvey had a career-best 10 receptions in the loss. Caden, Old Dominion Bowl hopes. They're four and six entering week 12. We talked about the improvement we've seen from ODU. Tight losses, good wins this year. They'll have to win both games over Georgia Southern and Georgia State to end the regular season to become bowl eligible. Do you like their chances of doing that? I like them, but I don't love them. And I think their chances are a little bit greater than you would think, probably from the outside looking in. Both of these teams, now that they're going to face down the stretch, are on losing streaks and playing some of their worst ball of the season. So I think it's not out of the picture to see Old Dominion running the table and winning these last two games to make a bowl game. Obviously, they were outmanned in this game. This Liberty team is super talented. We were texting about it during the game, just about how elite their scheme is and the players they have going on. So we can scratch that for a little bit as far as looking at their outlook for the rest of the season. But they kept their game against Georgia Southern last season close. I really still like their defense and their offensive scheme they have there. We talked about Javon Harvey having his strongest game of the season against a great opponent in Liberty. So I think this Old Dominion team still has their scheme they can lean on. They still have a very intense downhill defense that I think honestly matches up well with some of the these last two teams they're playing, especially given the recent play we've been seeing from Georgia Southern and Georgia State. So I think Old Dominion, I think just from the from the neck up, like I keep talking about, it's going to be about how they mentally approach and attack these games. And I think now looking at the season they've had in the resume they've built up to this point, they've stood toe-to-toe with the James Madison. They've stood toe-to-toe some of the best teams of the conference. And I think they have a little bit more confidence in themselves than we probably think from the outside looking in. They probably definitely look at themselves in the mirror and know we can beat Georgia State, we can beat Georgia Southern to close out the season and make a bowl game. So I think regardless of what they do, they still impress me in a similar way that Arkansas State has as far as bridging that gap between some of themselves and some of the conference's best teams. So I'm not ruling it out. I'm not betting on it right now for sure, but I'm not ruling out this old Dominion team who I think can get any can give any team in the conference problems. And the two teams that are playing have shown some problems lately. Old Dominion, as you mentioned, making the trip to Statesboro to face Georgia Southern, who's six and four coming off of that five point loss to Marshall in week 11, Old Dominion looking to keep their bowl hopes alive. Caden, time for a quick closing thought on week 11. 
We've been saying it, Noah. They remember November, and November football has not disappointed, and this week didn't disappoint either. Very curious to see now moving forward after this week, especially how this East title race is going to play out both on the field with the teams playing each other in the East next week and off the field with James Madison, their potential to shake things up as well. And then on the West, we know Troy that has things locked locked up, but very curious to see these different teams in the West now who are fighting for bowl eligibility, fighting for new momentum, and fighting for just a better finish to the season than a start. It's just going to make the football, I think, continue to race. So I think despite how how good the football has been in the month of November, both last week and this week, would not be surprised if it continues to take a step up. So just really, again, proud of this conference, the players and the coaches for just continuing to put on a great show and just make it probably the most entertaining group of five conference to watch in college football right now. Well, that will do it for our week 11 recap on the Furry and Smith podcast. There's only two weeks left in the Sunbelt regular season and tons of intrigue still remains. Before you go, here's a quick reminder. We're going to be back on Wednesday. We'll be releasing our latest student-athlete interview featuring the first Marshall Thundering Herd athlete to join the show. You won't want to miss it. One final thing, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you do one thing. Share this podcast with one, two, or even three of your friends. Help us help you by continuing to grow the show into the premier destination for Sunbelt football fans. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending more time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.